Father God, I pray um, in that spirit that your kingdom would come this morning, that the good order of heaven would visit us here on earth, and that we would all leave a little bit changed, a little more Christ-like. Uh, we would experience uh, the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in our lives in such a way that we could carry your love and power to others. Uh, make us difference makers, Father, and be a difference maker for us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody says, uh, start with a, a warm-up question. Let's go with, um, what's the value of church? What, like, you know, you do things in life that have value for you, that bring value, Right? I know you don't do anything out of duty. You're just not those kind of people. You do things for value. What's the value of being in a, a community like this? Encouragement, good word. Encouragement, literally to impart courage. What else? Huh? Support, because uh, <clears throat> you know two are stronger than one, uh, three are stronger than two, and People have different gifts and different resources. You can borrow from your brothers and sisters, people that love you. Unity. Yeah, unpack that a little bit, Andrew, because what's the value of unity? It's a lot there. <laughs> unity, family, sharing, like thoughts, visions, education. Um, let me summarize by saying building something together, right, that works for everyone. Uh, and that is indeed lovely. Yeah, yeah it's good. What else? Equipping, right, because we got work to do. We say around Blue Water that life is ministry. Worshiping God is lovely, but we get to worship God forever and eternity. Earth is the only place we get to actually minister and change lives, right? Uh, and so we got to be on that. Uh, and to that end... It's useful to uh, identify and wake up the gifts and the tools that every individual has and then to send those individuals out into, uh, into the world to do what they're designed to do. Wonderful. That's great. You guys are preaching this morning, not me. I'll take one more answer. It's going to be the best one, I can tell. Filipinos, yes. Filipinos are the reason to come to church. You know, I, I'm not going to say that's wrong. It, it might not. It might, might be the best among equal answers. Let's just put it that way. Let's just put it that way. All right. Of course. There's a, a. The Holy Spirit meets us when we're gathered together. Yeah, where two or more are gathered, right? Uh, and we get the presence of Christ Himself, the Holy Spirit of God uh, amongst us. Uh, the Lord loves unity. It makes all of those things uh, easier. Um, I, I was I was thinking about that. I often think about uh, church and doing church and what the value is and what we're really about because you can get lost uh, in it, um, uh, distracted by things. Um, Paul says nothing counts but faith expressing itself through love, right? And there's something about coming together which, if it does not empower, strengthen, develop our faith then it's, it's not going to count, right? You know, faith unto ministry, right? Faith unto love and stuff like that. I, I think, like, for me, the number one value of gathering is that it 
generates faith. It, it increases your faith. If it doesn't, then something is terribly, terribly wrong. Right? I think that's job one of community. You know, we, we could you know, qualify that faith in, well, the goodness of God or you know, stuff like that. But you know, faith generally. Um, and that is our responsibility to one another when we gather, is to look left and right and to increase the faith of the person next to you this morning. Right? That is my responsibility as a leader of something that's happening in this room right now. I either increase your faith this morning or I have totally missed the point. Does that make sense? Do you think I'm generally accurate? Raise your hand if you think I'm right. Raise your other hand if you think I'm wrong. All right. You're still evaluating. All right. Uh, Lisa, second question, what is faith? Faith is trying. You may stay. Lily's a Blue Water veteran. She knows what the right answer is. I mean, lots of, yeah. Faith is something you can't see or hear. Yes. But, dot, dot, dot. But it does something anyway. <laughs> yeah. How many of you thought of that famous verse from Hebrews 11? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right? The, the evidence of that which is unseen. Yeah. Um, great verse. Uh, I think the NIV now translates that. Faith is having confidence in what you cannot see which I don't like. I don't like that translation. Uh, the Greek word for substance is, uh, I believe, uh, hypostasis, hypostasis, literally the under-existence of something, right? The substance, that's the right word. Like if you have faith, then something can exist. Until you have faith, it can't exist, right? Lovely. Do you feel warmed up? That's some good warm-up questions. I'm just going to sit down now. I'm just going to shut up. Uh, what I want to talk to about, uh, believe it or not, is the story of Cain and Abel. Um, one of the most famous stories on earth, let alone uh, most famous stories in the Bible. You know the story of Cain and Abel generally, right? Cain and Abel, two brothers. Cain was the older one, Abel the younger one. They both presented sacrifices to God. Abel's sacrifice went well. Cain's sacrifice didn't go well. Cain got mad, ended up killing Abel. And so Cain became, you know, we say traditionally, the first murderer on earth. And, uh, and this is the story of that. You guys know that story? Everybody knows that story, right? But there's stuff going on in the scriptural version of the story that I think is really interesting and really provocative. I think 2022 is a year in which we live in heightened states of faith. I think it's the faith year. I think it's a faith year for the world. It's certainly the faith year for Blue Water Mission. And I think our job is to ensure that everyone here exists in heightened states of faith. You live, you work, you minister in a level of faith that you've never reached before. That's 2022 uh, at Blue Water. And so I'm going to start with the story of murder and just kind of work our way up from there is my point. Uh, it goes like this. Uh, Genesis 4 is the story. Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Uh, she said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. 
Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Well, that's nice. You bring your uh, a gift uh, to the Lord from what he has blessed you to produce. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Um, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Carnivore and vegetarian? Yeah. Not in the text. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Which is an interesting question, right? Because it was obvious why, you know, but the Lord asked this provocative question. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? We're going to unpack that phrase in a minute. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. That's the first time sin gets mentioned. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. That's the part everybody remembers. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Super famous saying on the earth. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible? Responsible for his death. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your, brother, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Things are going to be very hard for you from now on. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. Interesting that he should focus on that. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. I'm no longer protected. I no longer have a, a place, an Aina, an Ohana. But the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He has to leave Eden. Lives in a land called Nod. Cain lay with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son, Enoch. Enoch Town, I guess it was. I will just stop there. The story goes on a little bit, uh, but I just want to unpack that a little bit. Um, it's a story of sacrifice, right? This is a story about sacrifice. Abel sacrifice and Cain sacrifice, and they, broke, they both bring, you know, apparently suitable sacrifices, you know, to God. There's nothing in the substance of the sacrifice uh, that, um, that God would automatically find objectionable. I've heard you know, some people say, well, God wanted blood sacrifices, so Abel killing an animal made his sacrifice better. Actually, that's not what the Old Testament law says. The Lord accepted all kinds of sacrifices and made stipulations for all different kinds of sacrifices. So the, the substance of their sacrifice uh, was essentially equal but it says that the Lord, at least the NIV puts it, the Lord 
did not look with favor on Cain's sacrifice. Literally what that says in the old Hebrew, I studied it a bit this week, is that the Lord did not see Cain's sacrifice. In English, we might say he had no regard for it. If you are a French speaker, uh, the word regard literally means to look at, right? And so the Lord just, he wouldn't look at it. He just wouldn't look at Cain's sacrifice is what it says. And nothing to do with, you know, acceptance or rejection per se. It's like the Lord decided it didn't count. Anybody in here ever feel like your sacrifices and hard work in life don't count? Now we know what the story is about, right? It's not a story about murder directly. It's a story about giving something, your heart, about making an effort, about making a sacrifice, and then the Lord doesn't, doesn't bless it, right? It's as if the Lord doesn't even see it. Worse yet, somebody else around you makes a sacrifice and the Lord showers that person with blessing. Now is it personal? Now do you feel it? Do you feel the story? The Bible is a, a living word, right? You got to feel these things. This is what Genesis <laughs> opens with, right? This is Genesis chapter four. It's like, you know what's hard for humans? Here's what's hard for humans. This is fundamental to the human story. Something that's fundamental to the human story that we have known from the very beginning of our race is that when we work really hard and the Lord doesn't bless it, we come undone. You know, and we have all sorts of words we use for that. Heartbreak, injustice, unfairness, whatever, right? And this, this basically is a lesson about how to have powerful faith when you feel unblessed. All right, so now you're in a frame of mind to listen to the story of Cain and Abel. That's what's going on here. The Lord saw what Abel did. The Lord didn't see what Cain did. You know, other than that, we're not told why the Lord, you know, rejected Cain's sacrifice. Like, why? We're, we don't know why the Lord didn't look at Cain's sacrifice. Uh, in Hebrews 11, we talked about Hebrews 11 earlier, in Hebrews 11, uh, the author says, by faith, Abel's sacrifice was greater than Cain's, which is the only clue the Bible gives us about the nature of the story. So evidently, the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrew tradition, determined that the difference between Abel's sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice was simply that Abel did it in faith and Cain didn't. In the story, uh, there's no evidence. In, in the Abel and Cain story, there's, there's no evidence either way. But there, there was something, there was a faith factor somewhere, somehow, that caused God to look away. Um, I don't like that, I mean, purpose, personally, you know, selfishly, because it's like, you know, Cain tried, <laughs> you know, at least he showed up and went through the motions, and I feel like, you know, that should be a thing that gets some credit with God, you know, God should at least be like, well, you know, you could have done better, but dot, 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 something like that, but instead the Lord just kind of turned away which means that either, you know, the Lord is quite harsh about the spirit in which you live, 
or there's a, an intentional provocation by the Lord here to get more out of Cain. You know, anybody ever do athletic things? You ever been an athlete and the coach intentionally provokes you to up your game? You know, I, I, I came up in an age when coaches were coaches. You know what I'm talking about. Not, not babysitters, you know, but coaches. Like if you screwed up on the field, I used to play football, the coach would just smack you in the head. And that was okay. Some of you are like, ah, the age of barbarity. But uh, what you got, Carl? Maybe, maybe the Lord was a little harsh with Cain so that Cain would be an example for us through the ages. <laughs> or maybe God just knew that Cain had a lot of evil in his heart and he was trying to flesh it out in, in, a, I don't know, in a decent way, I guess. The story goes on from there. Uh, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do what is, but if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. This is before Cain has killed Abel. So God is, is trying to help him work out his stuff before he falls off the cliff and murders his brother, right? So the Lord is intervening here. The Lord evidently kind of has an inkling of what's coming. He is God after all. It's interesting the way the NIV translates it. Uh, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Which makes it sound really moral. In the Hebrew, uh, it literally reads, if you excel, will you not achieve? Right? There, there's no kind of moral overtones to it. If you excel, uh, yitav is, is the operative word here. Uh, will you not overcome? Um, and it kind of when you use words like right and acceptable, it makes you think that God is talking about the sacrifice itself, you know? But if you use words like excel and overcome, hey, I know you're angry, but if you pull this off, you will elevate. Is that, that word, uh, be accepted, literally means to elevate. Um, Se'eth in Hebrew. Um, which sounds like a coach. <laughs> To, to my mind. It's like you have a moment of crisis here in which you feel like your hard work and sacrifice didn't pay off. Do you meet this with overcoming faith? Or do you meet this with, well, is sin going to kick your okole? That's kind of how he ends up putting it, right? And Cain's like, excuse me, I have work to do, goes out and murders his brother. Um... Probably not a faith response, you know, probably an, an anger response. Such a human story to me, you know, because I felt like that. It's like, wow, you know, I sacrificed hard, you know. My sacrifice was bigger than his sacrifice, you know. Um, why doesn't my sacrifice get looked at? And sometimes we don't know. We're not told, right? And when God shows up, instead of giving you an explanation, he gives you a challenge. Can you overcome this with faith? Can you up your faith game? Why should I require more faith than Abel? That's my business, not yours. But I got some stuff for you to do. You know, I believe that you're the kind of guy that needs more faith than you have. There, let's just put it that way. You know, 
I don't think God had it in mind to punish Cain, even after he kills Abel. The punishment is, okay, well now you're going to have to sacrifice even more. Now the ground will cooperate with you less, and you get kicked out of Eden. And then Cain is stricken, you know, which is a healthy place to be sometimes. This is more punishment than I can bear. You know, not only will I have to work hard, but I won't get your presence. He might have said something like, I still won't get your presence or your regard. You know, maybe it was maybe he was speaking out of heartbreak, is what I'm saying. And the Lord says, Well, you know, you'll make it. You'll make it. Sometimes that's the first thing I say to people in counseling who come to me in crisis. Look me in the eyes. You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. Now, let's overcome. <laughs> uh, and the Lord puts a mark on him. That's interesting. I wonder what that was about. In some ways, gave him the bearing or the countenance such that people would leave him alone. The people outside of Eden, the, the wild ruffians. I mean, who knows exactly what that was. Let's not get into all of that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> and what did Cain do? Uh, he is sentenced to be a restless wanderer, is how the NIV translates it. Vagabond, sojourner, stranger, fugitive, is how other translators put it. But what he does when Cain gets out there into his exile is he marries, he has a family, and he builds a city. You know, literally probably a settlement, a place with walls and boundaries. He tried to bring organization to the chaos. And it goes on from there, actually gives the genealogy of Cain. Um, it had some heroes and some uh, villains in it. But, you know, he prospered uh, in a sense. Uh, some of his descendants became quite famous, actually. And I've got other sermons about that. Some of his descendants are worshipped as gods throughout history, in fact. Um, so they became big, important men, I guess you could say, uh, who unfortunately worshipped as gods. Um, sometimes you know we don't necessarily get explanations for why uh, we are challenged so much we don't get explanations for why one person's sacrifice is honored and the other person's sacrifice is not sometimes we don't get explanations but the purpose that is flowing through it all the time is faith, I think. You know, whether the explanation satisfies you or not, the purpose of it is for you to have overcoming powerful faith. You know? And that's the point at which Cain failed. Um, you could have said, well, he shouldn't have been put in that place. Not your decision to make. Maybe in life right now you feel that you've been put in a place that you would have never chosen. It's unfair that you're there. Your sacrifices have not paid off. You, you made a, a heart-level best attempt and it didn't work out. And you wonder if God is even watching, you know, if God has blessed you. And if you're in that sort of situation, what's difficult for you is faith. And the Bible says, right at the beginning, chapter 4 of Genesis, yes. <laughs> I understand that challenge. It is one of the challenges that has actually defined humanity through the ages. 
right? You have a lot of company in it, for better or for worse. Now, how might you have more powerful faith out of that experience than you did previously? And, and to understand the answer, I just think you have to think like a coach. It's like you kind of have to put aside the offense and the anger, and you have to decide just to be a faith hero. Fair, unfair, don't care. The point is, could you become a faith hero? Because God says, if you do, if you excel, if you yatav in Hebrew, then you will elevate. You will become something higher and mightier than you've ever been. That pro that's the promise, right? The promise of God isn't that you won't have disappointing, terrible experiences or unfair experiences or unjust experiences. The promise of God is if you meet them with more faith than ever, you will elevate. You will become a transcendent creature. You will become the builder of cities that you were meant to be instead of the builder of cities that you have to be. See the difference? See the difference? That's what I understand from the story of Cain and Abel. If you feel as if God has not seen you, he does not desire your harm. He might actually mark you with safety. But I promise you, he does desire your greatness, even though. Can't enable. More faith, less faith. Inspired, uninspired. Defeated, undefeated. For me, that's like a choice every day. It's a choice every day. Every day of my life, I mean, for decades of my life, I've always had reasons to feel defeated. Always. Always. Um, this morning, I have reasons to feel overwhelmed and defeated. Unregarded by God. Right? I've made some sacrifices. You know, I've put myself on the line for him numerous times. Numerous times. And I can see them as an occasion for anger and protest. Or I could see them as occasion just to become a superhero of faith. Not saying that's fair, but I'm saying that's the choice. That's the choice. I'm going to let you think about that with the Lord for 60 seconds because I kind of just, I don't know, I can just kind of see his fingers pressing into some of your brains, it seems to me. So, uh, This is the wrong way to say it, but maybe this morning you can spend a moment thinking less about what God thinks of you and more about what you want to become in the Lord. So one thing I'd like to ask uh, from you, uh, Blue Water Mission, in 2022 uh, is if you commit with us to live in a heightened state of faith this year, such that we can do incredible things, then I would like you to commit to set aside anger and bitterness this year. 
even when you have good excuses not to, you know, even when you have good excuses not to. What destroys churches nine times out of ten is is when so-and-so gets offended by so-and-so. <laughs> or, you know, something doesn't coke right, right, or that was a little bit excessive or something like that. And, and all these accusations of unfairness and injustice and stuff like that. Over the past two years, well, they've been a very, very angry two years in society. Have you, have you noticed this? Anyone pick up on, on this, right? I'm like, fantastic anger, fantastic accusation, fantastic levels of offense. Now, we could talk about whether they were justified or not justified, the subtleties, the nuances, and all of those things, right? The problem is, justified or not, hard to have faith in that kind of culture, right? That's the problem. Unless you have a lot of faith, it's hard to solve the problems that began the anger and accusations in the first place, right? And so, you know what I'm saying? And so, I would love to solve all of society's problems, but I need faith to do that. And if you're really angry at me, and oh my gosh, so many people have been angry at me over the last two years, it's hard for me to wield faith in your life very well, you know? And it's hard for you to wield faith in the lives of the people around you. And we agreed at the beginning that the point of coming to church was that we get to wield faith and inspire faith and strengthen faith in the lives of the people around us, right? That's the whole reason that we're here. Therefore, can we just not be angry? Can we just not be bitter? I'm not saying you don't have reasons for it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to make the human choice, the choice that Cain should have made, to just kind of like, all right, but I'm going to put that in its place and just concentrate on faith right now. Because that will take us forward, and eventually we'll be able to take care of that, maybe, in due time. You understand? So can we pledge to do that as well, even if we're entitled to not do it? <laughs> can we make a commitment to do it? Because I think it will be epic. I think it will be kingdom-oriented. I think it will usher in an age. I think it will be incredibly countercultural in a way that makes the light of the people of God shine as it should, right? So that miracles can happen and people can be refreshed and we can all live in heightened states of faith, which is to say not heightened states of fear. All right, that was the real sermon. Um, can we do that? I'll give you a moment to, to think again, and then I'd just like you to, to stand. If uh, you're like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shrug off the bitterness, even though I'm entitled not to. And I'm just going to I'm just gonna do this faith thing, just, just for a year. Let's just try it for a year, just for 2022. When it comes to 2023, you can go back to being bitter. All right? For 2022. But I do want you to take a moment and just think about it. Just, just take like 30 seconds and then just let the Lord deal with you on it because, you know, you're on your timeline with the Lord, not mine, right? And so just kind of let him talk to you about this and see if your heart is stirring a little bit. And only if it is, then when I ask you to stand, you can stand. And then I just like to bless you with the community blessing and then we're done. Then we're done. Okay? See if your heart is stirred. One of the great prayers of the Bible 
Mark 9, where the boy's father said, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. You know, none of us have perfect faith, but faith is trying. And if you'd like to commit to trying for faith instead of anger, bitterness this year, go ahead and stand. And if your heart is stirred, and we'll pray for you, just bless you with the community blessing, because this is the value of church, yeah? This is the value. The value is that we, uh, we bless one another. I know social distancing, but so many of you have stood up. Just sort of extend a hand at least toward the person next to you. And just, you know, it's a good symbol of unity. And we're just going to share the spirit of faith instead of sharing the spirit of accusation. We're going to share a spirit of healing and faith. Faith and healing. I know some of you are being healed right now. My goodness, you know, some relationships are being healed right now. I'm just so thankful for your work here today, Jesus. Just relieve us of bitterness, relieve us of anger, relieve us from judgment, relieve us, relieve us from judgment. The burdens that we have carried and that the world foists upon us. In the name of Jesus, we pray for faith. We pray for supernatural faith, for faith that exists even though we could easily argue ourselves out of it. For even though faith, for overcoming faith, for for faith that will change the world through generations. And I bless your hearts, brothers and sisters, for standing up in faith instead of going down in frustration. I bless your hearts, brothers and sisters, for standing up in faith instead of going down in frustration. More, Lord. Increase, Lord. Increase your gifts of faith among us. Increase your gifts of faith among us. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Some of you will spontaneously find changes in your body. I'm I'm sort of feeling that sympathetically. Good. You do without that anxiety and stress. You know what a good thing to do with lack of faith is? A good thing to do with lack of faith, with worry and fear? Ignore it. Don't look at it. Because that's the model that God gave us when Cain came with a lack of faith. He just refused to see it. Turn away. Turn to faith instead. I bless you with the power of ignoring what needs to be ignored in Jesus' name. Oh my gosh, that's an important one. In the name of Christ, I just bless you with the power to ignore that which needs to be ignored. You could talk yourself into it, but talk yourself out of it. Ignore it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good start. Good start. Uh, It's a time in the service when we usually ask the prophetic people to come up. Maybe they've heard something for an individual from the Lord. All of our big prophetic guns are absent this week. 
So it must have been a heck of a prophecy service. But if anybody has something, oh, Lila has something. Like, she's the head of our supernatural ministry team. So, uh, and she wears two face masks because uh, what she says is so hot. Oh, boy. I'm a prophetic little gun. Um, I I got a word for the gentleman in the black cap and the black mask. Do you mind standing? What's your name? Seth? Seth? Okay, wonderful. Do you have royalty? Are, Are you from a line of royalty, actual royalty? Okay, so God gave me a um, picture of you building a fire, and you keep trying to build it and keep trying to build it. The Lord is saying the fire is about to be built, um, and he reminded me that King Kamehameha IV, um, he was on the mainland traveling, and someone mistook him and actually um, insulted him, and he said, I will never treat anyone that way. So I just want to bless you that God sees you as royal, and that fire you keep trying to build to build kind of to Jordan's message to his point today, do not give up because you are royal. And so your application is get into a community that sees you for who you are, that's going to embrace you and lift you up for that royalty that you carry. Really felt like you're a gentle king. So I just bless you with that. We're so excited to have you. Nice. I can't wait to meet you. Um, I had a, a word last week for Parkson Young. Is he here? In the back. Oh, hi. Can you stand up? So um, I felt like God was saying you're going into enter a season of kind of having a renewed youthfulness, um, being young again, uh, your last name. Um, so the picture was is that you're a mountain, you're a rock for your family, you're steady and you're stable. Um, and the, in the picture, the rock started rolling. So it's time for you to rock and roll. And in that rock and roll is fun. But as the rock was rolling, it was like a snowball and started picking up people. So it felt like the Lord was saying you have a dormant gift of evangelism. So your kind of action steps are to start some doing some things that are very youthful, like not like a, a sophisticated adult sport, like golf or tennis, like we're talking like Nerf guns, paintball, this kind of thing. And as you start to do that, you're going to attract people and get ready for that evangelism gift to become undormant uh, because you're going to be sharing the gospel. I also felt like there's some people at work that are ready to hear the gospel from you that God has been preparing their hearts. So I'd love to pray for you for that gift. Nerf Wars. What I was going to say was like, even though like the uh, the people that held forth last week prophetically uh, are not here. We expect God to be speaking to individuals all the time, right? Whether it's someone on the team or just people there. So, so listen. And of course, nobody's perfect, right? So nobody get these these words exactly right all of the time. Um, but we offer them to stir up faith in one another, right? Because that's what church is for. You know, and so uh, ideally they're given and, and received in the spirit of faith. And even should we be imperfect, right, we're helpful. You know, we, um, we take what we can and turn it into life. Uh, the prayer ministry team is going to come up here, uh, up the front. And we'll move out some of these. So if you come today with a practical need, maybe for some prophetic guidance from the Lord or for some healing in your body or for some financial breakthrough in your life, whatever it may be, or maybe for more faith in your heart. Give these guys a chance just to pray for you. 
uh, and don't leave the building without giving the Holy Spirit a shot at doing something supernatural for you, uh, because that is our privilege as a community of God. Father, I pray that you perfect your agenda for every individual and that we would all, again, be changed at least a little bit before we go. Take us into the world and by your name, let us be light. In Jesus' name, everybody says.